Well, as you're um, taking your seats, I want to add my greetings and my welcome to you. It's good to be with you this morning as we uh, launch into the season of Advent. Today is the first weekend or the first of four weeks where in much of the Christian world, we choose to pause and to step into the rhythms of not only at least winter here, but a different rhythm of slowing ourselves in what we call Advent or preparation. The season of Advent in the Christian calendar really anticipates the coming of Christ in three ways. First, the physical nativity that we celebrate in Bethlehem as we read the Luke story or we read other accounts, we think about the waiting of Mary. We think about the pondering in her heart. We hear that refrain used a lot with Mary in her relationship with Jesus, that she pondered things in her heart. It causes us to think about that waiting. But it also causes us to think about the reception of Christ in the heart of every believer. What does it mean for us when we sing joy to the world? The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. So it wasn't just that he was birthed into the world. Advent should also allow us to think about the new birth when we said, Jesus, I'm making room in my heart for you. I am moving other things aside and I am making room in my heart for the nativity, for the reality of the birth of the Savior to have a place in my life. And then there is a third way that we can look at this season of nativity, and some would call it this, what we would call eschatological. You know, I kind of throw big words sometimes, but it's the second coming of Christ. And so as we look at the world and we look at the difficulties and the darkness of the world, while we are grateful for the baby that was born and we are grateful for him and our preparing room in our hearts, we also long for, as we look at the brokenness of the world, the second returning of Christ when that baby who is no longer a baby, but the one who was and is and is to come, who sits at the right hand of the Father, shall return. It's why I think that we love to read Isaiah chapter 7 and 9 where we call his name, but we say we will call his name Jesus. We will be wonderful counselor, a mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. And of his goodness and of his peace, the word says there will be no end. That was a promise that the people who walked in darkness, who needed to see light, that was their promise. And indeed, I would say, that's our need and our promise today. For all that we see happening around the world, the season of Advent is not just about exchanging of gifts, it's about receiving the gift and sharing the gift of Jesus Christ with the rest of the world. So today we slow down and we pause to say, today begins what I hope is a rhythm for us, not just because it gets dark at 4.30, but it, it begins a rhythm for us of nesting in a different way of slowing things down, of sipping things slower, of quieting ourselves, maybe sitting in front of a fire, of considering what this time really means for us. Maybe some of you grew up like I did where we had an Advent wreath. Any of the rest of you had that where we had candles? I think we had three purple candles and a, a pink one in every uh, week of that time. Of, we, would, we would sit and we would pray and we would think about that time as well. 
The reality is, as we think about patient endurance and we think about these weeks and we think about Advent, the reality is, is that nobody likes to wait, at least not unnecessarily. I have to pause and say thank you so much to Pastor Brody for an extraordinary message that he gave us last week. Uh, as I listened to his word last week, um, it wasn't just because of the great preaching that he did, because he did. He really took a text that was difficult and he laid that out. But the way that he took the text and his own life and the waiting and the promise for he and his wife and shared that with us was really extraordinary. So can you all help me once again to thank Brody for his incredible message last week. It was extraordinary. So my brother Brody did such a great job in really laying out for us in some incredible ways the reality that none of us likes to wait. <laughs> he called us to reflect on the myriad of conveniences that we've become so accustomed to in our culture that we can almost become incensed with the idea that we would have to wait for anything. Food comes quickly through the drive-through, packages come through our door to our door, we can even download books, we don't even have to go to Barnes and Noble anymore, we can get prescriptions that come quickly, and they even will ring the doorbell or knock to let you know it's there. We barely even need to leave our homes. It seems that if we have to wait more than five minutes for anything, our sensibilities go haywire and we're looking to lodge a complaint. Now there's nothing wrong with conveniences. For any of us who have had to get to the science fair and feed crabby kids in hand without getting food and ketchup all over them, we all know the importance of convenience and a drive through Can I get an amen? We all know the importance of a drive through window for a last-minute prescription when you've got a sick kid in the back of the car. We know the conveniences can be helpful. But what happens when our inability to wait impacts the deeper and more intimate parts of our lives? What happens when we become so unaccustomed to waiting that we don't have patience with our spouse? when we want to hurry up and have a message delivered in 15 minutes rather than an hour? What happens when there's a clash between the busyness and the rush of our lives with the message of Jesus who says, come unto me all of you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. As Brody said last week, Psalm 23 beckons us and tells us that he calls us to green pastures. What happens when the swirling of the, of the world causes us to clash with the gospel that says, slow down and pay attention. What happens when the gospel calls us to put our phones down and pick our Bibles up? How do we live in the busyness of life? And how do we keep a pace with the gospel when it seems like the world is outpacing us? Brody said something last week that really stuck with me all this week, and it's the first slide that we'll put up, and he said, we'll do just about anything to avoid tension and conflict. And how many of you know when the days get shorter and it gets colder, <laughs> the kids don't want to go outside, work still is demanding us, the gospel is calling us to slow down, there is a tension of the do more and be more with the slow down and consider me. So when Brody said, we'll do just about anything to avoid tension and conflict, 
He asked this question, but what if it is in these very places that God wants to teach us something and he wants to work in us to learn the most about who God is and how much he loves us? Because when we diminish our ability to be patient, we rush. We rush past the hello. We rush past that extra hug. We rush past the things that really fill our tanks. The blessing of this season of Advent is that it beckons us to shift gears, to slow down, and to recognize this time of waiting and remembering that has come upon us. And as we think about this idea of patient endurance, both in the natural and in the spiritual, it calls us to recognize that a slowing of rhythms in our lives and the removing of the frantic pace of things can also cause us to remember the daily journeying of our lives with Jesus. That this person who we worship came through the womb of a virgin who had no idea except to trust the God that she served that there was a greater purpose in this nativity that had come upon her. Ultimately, his second coming will bring order to disorder and he will bring justice with the very brightness of his presence. Brody talked about a sinful, fallen, broken world and the unforeseen events and challenges that face all of us. The things that cause us the most pain in the world, Brody said, can't be avoided. And if these seasons are inevitable, he asked this question, and I loved it, what aid then do we have? If the inevitable, if the rushing, if the fanaticism, if the busyness comes upon all of us, including the Christian, what aid do we have? And he gave us this word, hupomone, which means perseverance to hold fast, and he reminded us that if hupomone is used back to back, it means patient endurance. Do you remember the three points that Brody gave us at the very end after he shared with us the story of his own family and of this season of waiting that he and his wife are in this process as they wait for the blessedness of a child to come into their own life? And he asked us the question, what aid do we have when the world is swirling and yet we are called as believers to live differently because we are in the world, but not of the world. He gave us three things to consider. And then I'm going to go to our text for today. Here's three things Brody told us last week. He said, patient endurance, hupomone, hupomone, patient endurance is one produced in you by God. Do you remember how he told us that it's not something that we conjure up or create ourselves, but that patience and patient endurance is produced in us by God. In other words, when we trust God, he provides in us the ability to endure. We can't do it by ourselves, but when we trust him, when we step into rhythms other than what is being forced on us by the world, the constant drive to do more and be more and produce more. And instead, when we rest in the reality of a child being born in darkness, laying in a manger, when we think about our own hearts and making room, 
when we think about the chaos of the world and that we invite him into the chaos of our own lives into the greater world, we recognize that our ability to have patient endurance is given to us as a gift. It is produced in us by God. Secondly, Brody said it's produced in the trial for the trial. It's in the trial for the trial. This reminds me of when Joshua had to take the people into the promised land because Moses, his servant, was dead. And God said to him, now you take these people into the promised land. And he said, have I not commanded you? I want you to be strong and courageous. There was no amount of training that could have helped him to know how to navigate that situation. For Mary and Joseph, there was no matter of living or Jewishness that would help them know how to deal with the prying eyes and the whispers in the marketplace about her swelling belly. There was no amount of time that many of us have been given to know how to handle the situations in our lives, except the fact that when we choose to come alongside and trust God in the midst of our walking in faith, in the midst of our choosing to be strong and courageous, something gets birthed in us too. An ability for us to withstand trial because he gives us some strength along the way. And then third, Brody said that patient endurance is utilized in the waiting and rewarded in the end. We are patient now even when we ask, why should I be patient? Because he's coming back for you. Because we're living today with the end in mind. Part of the battle of the rushing of our lives is that it doesn't help us to see a broader picture, a greater end. It doesn't help us when we are wrestling and busy to really think about what God is calling us to, that there is an end to all of our suffering and all of our striving. So this idea of patient perseverance, this why? Because it's produced in us by God, it's produced in the trial for the trial, and it's utilized in the waiting, and it's rewarded in the end. So knowing that, I'd like to go to a portion of scripture that helps us to understand not just the why, but the how. This portion of scripture is coming from Romans chapter 8, 10 verses, verses 15 through 25. It'll be on the screen there. But I hope that you'll go back and you'll read it because this portion of scripture is Paul addressing the church at Rome, helping them in the midst of the struggle that they had simply to survive in the midst of a chaotic empire where they were trying to grow and to be a fledgling church loving each other well in the midst of darkness and deplorable circumstances and evil leadership, they were called to grow like flowers through cracks in the concrete. And that in some ways, friends, are like we. We are called to grow like flowers in the sunshine, like cracks it through cracks in the concrete, even when the world seems to be snuffing things out around us. Romans chapter 8, verses 15 through 25, let's look at it. Paul says to the church at Rome, as he says to us, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. 
In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal in us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to, to the day where it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he's promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must, here's the word, wait patiently and confidently. Okay, friends, so here's the reality. Patient endurance, Brody said, here's the why. Here is the question and here is the answer of how. How do we wait when there is so much that is coming against us? The Apostle Paul gives us a bit of an answer here. He said, listen, the world is groaning. The whole earth and all of creation is groaning. We all recognize that something is wrong. We all recognize that the world that we're in, that sinfulness and evil and darkness seem to have a greater place in the world than it ought to be. We all recognize that when our bodies feel racked with pain or we feel overwhelmed, that that seems to buck against the promises of God that by his stripes we are healed. We recognize that in this time of difficulty, we are all groaning, saying, this is not as it should be. Maran Atha, come Lord Jesus. And what Advent allows us to do is to have a time where we can slow down and say, Lord, though everything around me seems swirling, I choose to push against the frenetic busyness of the world and to make room in my heart for you, not just in these weeks of Advent, but all year long. I choose a rhythm of remembering. I choose a rhythm of reflecting. I choose a rhythm of slowing down, not just because I am exhausted, but because without you, I cannot survive in this world. I cannot be the kind of light that I cannot, that I cannot be outside of you. I cannot be a flower growing through the concrete unless I have the sunshine of Christ in my life. I cannot do this without you. So when we think about this reality of what Paul is saying, He's saying, we want the glory of Christ, but right now we're also going to have to deal with the suffering that also comes. But what we suffer and the struggles that we have now are nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed in us later when all of this earthly reality passes away and we see him differently. Here's the reality of why we need to learn to wait we have a great high priest who patterned for us how to live in patience. 
Can you imagine the pressure on Jesus Christ to have born knowing that he would die? To die for the sins of you and I and for the sins of the entire world. And yet he had such compassion and love for us that this great high priest who is like us in every way and yet was without sin has given us a way to recognize that even when it seems different than what we want to do, there is a way to learn to slow down. So what did Jesus teach us? What did this great high priest pattern for us? Three things that Jesus patterned for us in learning the art of patient endurance. The first was intimacy with the Father. How many of you remember in reading the Word of God, Jesus was always going away to be with the Father? Yes, he made time for friends. Yes, he made time for the disciples. Yes, he made time to be in the synagogue. But all of his strength and all of his endurance to deal with what was in front of him and what he would have to endure came from intimacy with the Father. Family of God, there is nothing more important in your life than intimacy with your Father. There is no one who loves you more, knows your sinful proclivities more, chose to die on the cross for you regardless of those things, and believes in the gifts and the Holy Spirit in you to live differently, love differently, and change the world around you differently. No matter what was raging in Jesus' life, intimacy with the Father was an essentiality. Number two, persistence in prayer. Jesus spent regular time talking with the Father. Sometimes I think we make prayer harder than it needs to be. We think we need to sound like someone else. We think we have to have the King's English. We think we have to pray for an hour and 45 minutes to sound deep and spiritual. Sometimes the best prayer you can pray is, Jesus, help. I need you in my life. Jesus was always praying and he gave us even the model prayer to teach us how to pray. So there was intimacy with the Father, persistence in prayer, but thirdly, there was sacrifice and obedience. He didn't spend time with Jesus, with, with God for no reason, and he didn't pray for no reason. The purpose of his prayer and his coming away was to learn how to be obedient to crucify his own flesh, to put it away so that ultimately the will of the Father could be done. So what am I encouraging us to do in this season of patient endurance, in this season of waiting, in this season where we're trusting and asking God, I don't know about you, but there are things I'm waiting for. And it isn't just a, I asked God yesterday and I'm expecting it today. I mean, these are prayers that I have prayed for years. I am patiently praying for the day when my siblings walk up an aisle and say yes to Jesus. Those are 30 and 40 year prayers. I am waiting for my niece and my nephews to be able to be break, broken free from fentanyl addiction and for Jesus Christ to be stronger in my niece's life than fentanyl and prostitution to field and to this, this addiction that she has. 
I'm waiting for the day when the proper medications and the proper counseling and the love of God can help my 14-year-old great-nephew decide that his life matters more than suicide does. These are not yesterday prayers. These are prayers, tearful, late night, early morning, consistent, constant prayers. Is anyone waiting for those kind of prayers to be answered? Anyone else in here waiting for the God please? Waiting for your kid to come back who's walked away from Jesus? Anyone waiting for a job because you feel like you've just done job after job after job and you're waiting for the one that you feel like you've always prayed for and never gotten? Some of us are praying for those kind of persistent prayers. And I want to encourage you, do not stop praying. Do not stop asking. Do not Stop seeking. God isn't testing you. He's not crossing his arms to say, yep, well, just pray a little bit longer. I want to see how much you can cry. That's not the kind of spirit of the God we serve. Instead, he's working in us a patient endurance to trust his timing and his plan, just like he did in his own son. So here's what I want to encourage you in as we prepare to close and to worship. Here's what I want to encourage you, and I want to encourage you, if you are struggling, if you understand the why of patient endurance, but you're struggling with the how, I want to give you what I feel like the Holy Spirit gave me. The first is I want you to reset your gaze. Reset your gaze. I don't know how many of you love nature, but I remember when my good friend, Dr. Jay Barnes, was talking about going to see Mount Rainier. Have any of you ever seen Mount Rainier? And he was talking about how there tends to be this fog over Mount Rainier and he was there and people were standing along the side of the road and they were all gazing up and he and his wife were kind of looking around as new people saying, well, we don't see anything. We just see clouds. And someone, he said, tapped him on the shoulder and said, look higher. You see, their gaze was set at a place where they thought the top of the mountain would be. But they said, nope, you're not looking high enough. Scripture tells us to look to the hills from whence cometh our help. Our help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Sometimes our gaze is too low. Sometimes we're gazing at our problems rather than he who's the solution. Fix your gaze, dear brothers and sisters. Reset your gaze on Jesus. Keep your eyes higher and keep your heart centered on Christ. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18 says, That's why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things we cannot see. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things that we cannot see will last forever. Keep your gaze, set your gaze higher and on the things that you cannot see but are a reality in the spirit world. Number two, befriend the Holy Spirit. When I was growing up, the Holy Spirit was a dove, a vapor, a thing. 
some wisp on the side of a... He was never the third person of the Trinity. He wasn't my friend. He wasn't my comforter. He wasn't the Paracletos. I didn't know who he was. But we need to learn, as much as we talk about God the Father and Jesus the Son, do you know who the Holy Spirit is and that the Holy Spirit has been given to you to aid you and walk with you in patient endurance? Befriend the Holy Spirit. He's here to teach us and to comfort us. John 14, 26 said, but when the father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he'll teach you everything and remind you of everything I've told you. I'm leaving you now with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give you is a gift the world cannot give. So don't let your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. The Holy Spirit literally wants to walk alongside you in this life and give you an encouragement to say, I am here with you. I'm not a dove or a vapor. I'm not a thing or an it. I am the third person of the Trinity given to you as a gift by Jesus Christ that accompanied with it peace that this world will never give you, that a bottle won't give you, a relationship won't give you. None of that will ever come. But in a swirling, crazy world, the Holy Spirit says, come on, take my hand and walk with me. We got this thing. Though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you don't have to be afraid. Why? Because I'm right here with you. I'm with you in it. We're going to navigate storms, friends. We're going to see storms come. We're going to see things happen. But the one that is above it all is in us and through us and with us. And we don't have to be afraid if we let him be who he wants to be in our life. Finally, I'd say rethink your thinking. Rethink your thinking. I don't know about any of the rest of you. But for me, if I don't spend time with Jesus, my mind has a mind of its own. And I will start to obsess about things. Anyone else get up with the intention to pray and the next thing you're thinking about is you have a list of things that you need to be doing. You have like one eye open, like, okay, I'll get right back with you. But then you're making your list of the things to do for the day. Satan loves that. He loves to distract us from the busyness and, and make us busy. Because if he can't have us, he will certainly distract us. And if he can distract us, we won't spend time with Jesus. And if we don't spend time with Jesus, we'll always be caught in a mediocrity and we'll always keep our gaze low, our worries close to us, our hearts broken. So the reality is we need to just continue to do the work of the kingdom. We just need to continue to do the work of praying together and seeking what God has for us. James chapter one, two through eight says, when all kinds of trials and temptations crowd into your lives, my brothers and sisters, don't resent them as intruders, but welcome them as friends. Realize that they come to test your faith and produce in you the quality of endurance. But let the process go on until that endurance is fully developed and you'll find you've become men and women of mature character when they're with the right sort of independence. We can all get with the mental reality of why we should have patient endurance, but here's the reality. We'll never know the effectiveness of it if we don't practice it. We'll never know what it means to walk hand in hand with Jesus if we don't allow his Holy Spirit to come with us. This is the season of Advent. It's a season of quiet. It's a season of nesting. It's a season of making room in our hearts for him. So will you join me as we prepare to close? 
And as we prepare to think about what it means to walk in the goodness and the faithfulness of God, would you walk with me? Would you help me to think about what it means for all of us to slow down and to have a different rhythm of our lives? Because how many of you know we need it, not just for Advent, for all of our lives until Jesus Christ returns, we need to live differently, walk differently, talk differently. Amen? So let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this band of believers. We thank you for how you've given us the call, the requirement, not just in Romans 8, but all over to be people of patient endurance. You call us to endure hardship like good soldiers. You call us to endure suffering for the sake of glory. You call us not to grow weary in well-doing. You call us to be able to exercise the fruit of the spirit, which includes patience. You're telling us something about the rhythms of our lives and the busyness of life and the fanaticism of life that steals from us a greater gift. And that is peace and quiet in the secret place with you where the Holy Spirit will meet with us and teach us how to walk through the valley of the shadow of death and not fear because your rod and staff will comfort us. Lord, there's no way Mary knew what to do or Joseph knew what to do. There's no way that Joshua knew what to do. There's no way that Hannah understood all that was happening to her. We have people whose lives we can examine in the gospel because you've given them to us, not just to say, take a look at them, but to say these were ordinary people who learned to trust me and to walk with me even when the world seemed as though it was falling apart. So Lord, today, for those who are sitting in this room, whose worlds seem like they might be a little bit on a teeter-totter, where they're feeling overwhelmed, where they're struggling to know the how of slowing down, I pray, Lord God, that they would reset their gaze, not on all the problems around them, but the higher mountain, the higher place of priority of intimacy, intimacy with you, that they would befriend the Holy Spirit, not to regard you as an it, but to see you as a friend, see you as someone who walks with us. And then, Lord, that we would rethink our thinking, the things that we obsess about and worry about. Instead, would we think, as you said in Philippians 4, 8, whatever is good and true and lovely and pure, whatever is worthy for us to think on those things and that your peace would be with us. So as we prepare to leave this place, but not your presence, would you be with us, Lord? And would you keep us close to your side, walking with you, learning in this season the patient endurance of what it means to wait and have a peace that the world will never be able to give us. Thank you, Lord, for this day and this time and for these great people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, guys. Thank